First Corinthians chapter 16. <clears throat> I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 to get started. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given a word to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So tonight, our message is our stewardship of the gospel. That's the title of the message. But what we're really doing is looking at uh, number four in our church standards of conduct sheet, which says, be faithful in giving the tithe to the church and supporting the mission program. And, of course, it also, uh, other scriptures there, Acts 1.8, which is another verse I'm going to read, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Now you might say, well what does the First Corinthians 16, 1 and 2 and Acts chapter 1 have in common? As we think about stewardship, and really, you know, our stewardship, our uh, standard is, you know, faithful giving the tithes and offerings and the mission support of the mission program. Well, that's how the mission program and that's how the church functions is through the tithes and offerings of God's people. So the, the, the two, really, you can't have one without the other. They, they work together. So uh, that's the title of the message tonight, our stewardship of the gospel. Let's pray and we'll have a we'll look at this. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege of ours to meet together, to assemble together tonight. I pray that we be encouraged and challenged and, and uh, learn and grow in our grace and knowledge of you. Thank you for your blessings and, and the opportunity and privilege we have to assemble together, together freely. So just direct and be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we think about stewardship, and it is a stewardship of the gospel, you know, several verses that come to mind for 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And verses 1 and 2 says, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards and a man be found faithful. When Paul was talking about the mysteries of God, uh, he's talking about, the, again, the gospel. Getting the gospel, that's what he did. Was, uh, he was involved in getting, taking the gospel to places where it was hitherto not known, before to not known. Uh, and a mystery really is something that's not known and then is revealed. And, 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 of course, to many, the gospel is still mystery. And so we're to be involved in giving out the gospel and stewards of that, um, that mystery, you might say, that, that is to much of the world. Uh, a steward is one who is a household manager or who manages someone else's goods, if you will. Luke twelve forty two, the Bible says, And the Lord said, who that is a faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household to give them their portion of meat in due season. So a, a steward then is one who is given responsibility over someone else's household. Uh, Ephesians, I think it's in Ephesians where it talks about the church being the household of faith. Uh, and 
So we have been given a stewardship of the mysteries of God, that is the gospel. In, in you know, Matthew 28, you might say, is our stewardship man, mandate. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Uh, so this stewardship, then, is not just about finances. That is, tithes and offerings. It's not just about our tithes and our offerings. It's about our whole being. It's about giving of ourselves to the Lord. Serving God with everything we have. You know, sometimes we have the idea in the Old Testament, they only tithe, so we do better than them. But that's not really true. Uh, they were commanded to give more than a tithe. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 12, we'll look at a couple of verses here in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 12, 11, the Lord told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 12, 11, Then there shall be a place which the Lord your God shall choose to cause his name to dwell there. Thither shall you bring all that I command you. Notice this. Your burnt offerings, your sacrifices, your tithes, and the heave offerings of your hand, and all your choice vow which ye vow unto the Lord. So there were, a lot of th- there were several other things mentioned besides tithes there. Offerings, burnt offerings, um, sacrifices, heave offerings, all these things. And, of course, a lot of these offerings provided for the priesthood. Do you ever stop and consider how many priests? I'm not talking about the high priests. There was a lot of priests or Levites. You know, Levites were given to take care of the, the, the uh, house or the, the, the tabernacle and the, the, the sacrifices and the tabernacle and everything associated with the tabernacle and then later the temple. So there were, there were many of them. In fact, in 1 Chronicles 28, 13, it says, Also for the courses of the priests and Levites, for all the work of the service of the house of the Lord, for all the vessels of service in the house of the Lord. You know, this wasn't a small task. It required, uh, in fact, David set up 24 courses. So they weren't all there at the same time. They were, came in turns because they, you know, they had houses and, and, and things and possessions but they left those for certain periods of time to come serve in the temple or the tabernacle first, but in the temple. And then after their course was done, I think it was a month at a time, they'd go back home. And see, some of these offerings that were brought were the, the food for the Levites and the priests. So it wasn't just the tithes that were brought. In fact, uh, in, in Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 12, we see this also, Nehemiah chapter 12, and um, I'm having a brain freeze here, forget where Nehemiah is, Um, Nehemiah chapter 12 and verse 44, excuse me, it says, and at that time were some appointed over the chambers for the treasurers, for the offerings, for the first fruits, and for the tithes, to gather them out of the fields of the cities, the portions of the law, for the priests and Levites, for Judah rejoice for the priests and the Levites that waited. So again, here it's talking about all the things they were to bring to the temple and, and the, some of the portions that were for the priests and the Levites. And of course in chapter 13, they, they weren't bringing these. And in chapter 13, verse 10, there was a time, period of time they didn't bring them faithfully. 
And it says in verse, chapter 13, verse 10, And I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them, for the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled, everyone to his own field. So, you know, even the singers, no, sorry, singers here don't get paid, but, but uh, in the Old Testament they had people appointed, and I, probably they were Levites, but uh, to sing. And so, so they were also provided for, uh, again, because most of the time they stayed there by courses. And, you know, in Haggai chapter 1, you know, he, he talks about how they had, they lived in sealed houses, but the house of the Lord was in shambles. They hadn't built the house of the Lord. And he says, go up to the mountain and bring wood and build. Now, that wasn't their tithe. That would require time, labor, and give her their substance to provide for the things in the temple that they were that God had told them to rebuild. The reason they had stopped rebuilding it was because they had opposition. And so they stopped for a period of time until Haggai and Malachi started prophesying and challenged the people to obey the Lord and rebuild the temple, and then they did. So stewardship is more than just tithes and offerings. Now there's four principles. As we think about our stewardship, and of course this includes our tithes and offerings, there's four principles I'm going to give you tonight. Number one, the principle of ownership. The principle of ownership. You know, it is only right, you might say ethical, that we as God's people give ourselves as stewards of all that we have for two reasons. Number one, he owns us by way of creation. He created us. He made us. In Acts chapter 17, when Paul was at Athens, in Acts 17, 24, he said, God that made the world and all things therein. So not only did he make us, he made everything that's in this world of which we have possessions of. So he made everything. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, Neither is worshipped with men's hands, that though he needeth anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breadth and all things, hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, hath determined the times before appointed the bounds of their habitation. They should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not very far from every, every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that God had his like unto gold or silver or stone given by art of man's devices. And the time of this ignorance God winked at, but now hath commanded all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, in that he hath raised him from the dead. So we are his by way of creation. We're his creation, and we're going to give an account to him as our creator. In Isaiah 45, 23, the prophet said, I have sworn by myself, the word is going out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall swear. That phrase is used three times in the Bible. <coughs> Excuse me. Again, in Romans 14, 11, it says, as I, <coughs> for it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, 
Every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. And then again in Philippians 2.10, that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. See, we are his by rights of creation. And everything that we possess, he has made. It's his. He just allows us to have it and use it. And we, are, we, we need to realize that we're going to give an account for that. We're also his by right of redemption, if we're saved. Uh, you know, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, the Bible says, What? Know ye not? that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So we, we have been bought. We've been redeemed. That word redeemed means to buy up for oneself, for one's use, to recover from the power of another. So we've been bought off the slave market of sin. We've been bought out of the bondage of sin and and from the the, the bondage of Satan and death and hell. So we've been bought. We are a, you know, I like what Peter says, we're a peculiar people. That means we're a specialty, a purchased possession of God. We belong to Him. So we are His. He owns us. He's, he's purchased us. You know, Isaiah 43, 1. It says, But thou, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. And if you're safe tonight, you are God's. You belong to God, you are His. He's purchased you from the slave market of sin. From death and hell, He's redeemed you. He not only created you, but He's redeemed you. You know, really, God owns us twice. The amazing thing is, He does not force us to surrender ourselves to Him. You know, an unwilling surrender is really worthless. He desires us that we willingly surrender or acknowledge his ownership. So, the principle of ownership. We belong to God. So, as we think about stewardship, we think about the principle of ownership. Secondly, the principle of stewardship, 1 Corinthians 4, in verses 1 and 2, says again, that a man so account of us as, stu- as ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So we as individuals will give an account of our stewardship. Now, for what we, you know, we could say for what we give and how we use what we keep. Well, you say, that's mine. (laughs) Is it? Who gave it to you? Who gave it to you? Well, my employer did. I worked hard for that. Who gives you the power to get wealth? Who gives you life and air to breathe? 
and physical well-being to work and provide for yourself. You know, if we are stewards, you know, this, again, the, the, the idea of stewardship implicates that it is all his. He just allows us to use it for his glory. That's what a steward did. A steward manages a, a, another's household for their benefit. And in turn, the steward benefited also. You know, if a steward was a wise steward, he would make good business deals. The, the owner would give him a, a set, maybe say he's going to sell some wheat. And he'd give him a set price. This is what I want. If that steward was wise and watched markets and sold at the best time and got a higher price for that wheat, whatever was over the price the owner set was his. It was a benefit to him. That's kind of the way stewardship worked. And so, you know, wise stewards could become prosperous. You know, there are a lot of blessings that go along with being a steward for, with the mysteries of God. You know, we have been bought, redeemed, redeemed you know, and it really a redeemed servant has no personal property. Now, you may balk at that, but that is what God's asked us. You know, he, he is able to prosper all that we have. The reality is we've been entrusted with what that which is God's, therefore, we must deal wisely with all of it, even that which we, quote, keep for ourselves. You read the book of Proverbs, and, you know, it talks in there about a waster. You know, Americans are some of the greatest wasters. We're going to answer for it. You know, it's a reminder to us that it is the Lord that gives us power to get wealth. In Deuteronomy 8.18, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. You know, 1 Peter 4.10, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know, and again, in a, in a church, there are different gifts for the harmony and function of the body. And each of us, it, it, it's, it's important that each of us does our part to make the body function like a body should. But you know, every, every one of us individually is going to give account ourselves to God for how we do our part. In the church, so there's going to be there's going to be a personal accounting. Individuals are given account. There's also a public accounting. You know, it's interesting. We're having a business meeting tonight. I thought of this. In Second Corinthians chapter eight, Second uh, Corinthians chapter eight, verses eighteen through twenty-one. It says, "And we have sent with him the brother whose praises in the gospel throughout all the churches, not." That only, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. Paul's here talking about an offering that they were taken up for the church at Jerusalem, the churches of Macedonia, and Corinth was one of them, and he's challenging Corinth in these chapters to do what they said they would do sometime before. And so what he's saying here is we sent some brethren to, to administer this grace, or to travel with us with this grace. In other words, this love offering. Now, let me read on here, it says. 
And avoiding this, this is, this, is, this is why he said we've got the brethren with us. We're avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is diminished by us, providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of man. So there was, a, there was an accounting of what had been collected, and there were men sent along from the, some of the different churches to take this offering to Jerusalem so that there would be a, an accounting given of it. You know, Paul didn't want to take it by himself because somebody could say, Paul helped himself to that offering. And who would he have as a witness that he didn't? Yeah, you know, that's why we have, you know, some take the offering, different ones count the offering, and a different one deposit the offering. There's accountability. You know, we have a, we have a, uh, a financial statement we're going to hand out tonight to show where everything goes. There needs to be accountability. You know, what are we doing? We're providing things honest. Providing things honest. You know, God wants us to give an accounting to what is done. It's, you know, I'm very, very, uh, I don't want to say, suspicious when church members of churches don't know where their money is going. I was involved in a camp ministry years ago. And I said something about a financial statement to one of the board members. They said, we haven't seen one of those in years. And there was problems. See, there was no accountability. There was no accountability. No, he said there needs to be accountability, a public account. You know, we, whatever we do here should be open and above board. Without question. Uh, not suspicious, not suspicious, not suspect. So there is to be a public accounting. So there's this uh, the principle of ownership, principle of stewardship. There's also a third principle, and that is the principle of partnership. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, in verse uh, 9 and 10, Paul, again writing to the church of Corinth, says, For we are laboring. And of course, they had, they, the church had these divisions in verses 5 through 8, you know, some, one said, uh, I follow Paul, or verse 4. For while one saith, I am a Paul, another of I am Apollos, are you not carnal? And, and Paul says, you know, in verse 9, we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. So we are laborers together with God. You see, as a steward, it brings us into partnership with not only one another, but with God. With God. We're laborers together with God. You know, building a house takes many people working together. Well, someone might say, well, I built my own house. Okay. Who provided the lumber? or the plumbing materials, or the wiring, or the paint. Did you make your own paint? Did you make your own drywall? Did you make your own blocks? Did you make your own concrete? You know, nobody really builds a house completely themselves. Maybe a tent, 
But, you know, somebody made the tent. <laughs> uh, and that's the way it is with the church. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians, Paul, Paul spoke of this, how those of Philippi had partnered with him. In Philippians 4 and verse 10, he says, For I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you are also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Verse 14, Notwithstanding you have done well that you did communicate with me my affliction, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. So Paul is writing to this church at Philippi and says, you know, you, you, have, you have sent to my necessity, to my need, you communicated that, you know, that this was through giving, uh, providing for his physical needs. So they were partnering with him in getting out the gospel. And he says, it is fruit that will abound to your account. You see, Philippi partnered with Paul, worked fellowship together with Paul. That's really what fellowship is, Bible fellowship is. They partnered together to get the gospel out, to plant churches in other places. And so, you know, it, it is a body working together with part, with each, each one doing their part, doing its function for the edification of the body and the multiplication of the body. We call that missions or church planning. So think about it. You know, through our stewardship, we're working together or partnering not only here, as individuals who are we're working together here for the, for, the, for the preaching of the gospel in this area, but we're working together and fellowshiping together to get the gospel to Taiwan, to Greenland, to Russia, to Portugal, to Ohio, Mexico, Maine. So the gospel is going out, really, we're multiplying ourselves in each of those places. We are partnering with them. Of course, we call that church planting. So there's this principle of partnership. You know, we are. We are working together with God in getting the gospel around the world. You know, sometimes businesses brag about how they have a, you know, a, a business overseas. You know, you could brag about it and say, you know, our church has a business overseas too. We have one in Taiwan. We have one in Greenland. How many, how many businesses do you know have one in Greenland? <laughs> we have one in Portugal, one in Russia. I mean in Siberia of all places, you know, where it gets really cold. Really, that's what we got. Fourth thing, there's the principle of responsibility. So we see the principle of ownership, principle of stewardship, principle of partnership, a principle of responsibility. And, of course, this is, this is our God-given responsibility. In Matthew 28, 18 to 21, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, 
And lo, I am with you all way, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Of course, that command is given five times in the Bible. It's given again in Mark 16, 15, Luke 24, 46 to 48, John 20, 21, and of course, Acts 1, 8. We call that the Great Commission. This stewardship of the gospel is our responsibility. It has been given to us as a church in our time. You know, I told someone last night on visitation, we were talk, I was talking to her about a Bible study. And um, trying to impress upon her the need. You know, some people have this idea, well, they, they can just read the Bible and they can learn all this themselves. It doesn't work that way. You know, many heretics are produced that way. <laughs> um, no, how it works is, how God always ordained it is, that men and women teach men and women. That's God's ordained method. And I said to this lady, I said, you know, you know God has chosen men and women uh, to hear the gospel or that they are to be taught the gospel by other men and women. I said, for example, the Ethiopian eunuch. She, she seemed to have a little knowledge of the Bible. I said, you, know, you, you ever read about the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8? I mean, he was the treasure of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. So he'd have been an educated man. And he's reading a scroll. He's reading scriptures about uh, how Christ would be crucified. And, so, and the Lord told uh, Philip to go join himself to his chair. And Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, here's an educated man. And he says, how can I accept some man should guide me? Now, I'm not a betting man, but I'd put money on it that the eunuch was more educated than Philip. But Philip understood the gospel, and the eunuch didn't. Philip understood what the Isaiah 53 was saying, and the eunuch did not. See, God has ordained men and women to take the gospel to men and women, not to hear other ways. That's how he's chosen to do it. In a sense, you might say God has limited himself to the use of men to preach the gospel in this dispensation. You know, think about it. The word of God has come to us by holy men of God. The Son of God came into the world through the virgin womb of a woman. God has preserved his word by man through his churches. Yet God uses men and women. Those are his chosen vessels. So it's our responsibility then to give out the gospel. This stewardship is our responsibility. You know, God has given us a great privilege and responsibility. And tithes and offerings of God's willing stewards are the financiers of getting that gospel to the world. Providing for the expenses of the church, you know, the literature, the teaching materials, the Bible study materials, uh, paying the pastor, uh, you know, keeping the lights on, you know, providing for the meeting house, but it also provides for, you know, gospel tracts, money so the missionaries can go where we can't go. That 
we might multiply our seed some. You know, when the word is preached in Greenland, or tracks have gone out, it's fruit to your account. Or in Taiwan, or Russia, or Ohio, or Maine, or Portugal, or Mexico. So our first Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2, where he talks about the collection in Acts chapter 1, 8, dependent on each other? <laughs> the answer is yes. Because it is the stewardship of the gospel. And each of us has an important part in that. Whether it's giving, working so that you can give. You know, there's two, two reasons for, for money. To live and to give. And of course, it's God that gives us power to get wealth so that we might give. And so we have this, we've been given this privilege and this responsibility to be stewards of the gospel. And the way we finance it is by the tithes and offerings of God's people. You know, Malachi says to bring your tithes and your offerings into the storehouse. There's a little poem here I, I saw in a thing the other week, and I kept it for this for this message, it says it pays to tithe. It's by Harriet Hine. It says, I thought I just could not afford to pay a tithe unto the Lord. The cost of living is so high, I find it hard to just get by. I said perhaps another day, and then it was I heard him say, Can you not put your trust in me? Just think if I had said to thee, I cannot afford to give my son that your salvation might be won. I can't afford the time each day to guide, to help, to hear you pray. Come seek my help some later dawn. I may have more time later on. I was ashamed. God gave us all. My greatest, greatest gift was far too small. I know now I cannot afford not to pay my tithes unto my Lord. You see, we have this stewardship. That's been given to us. It's our responsibility. It's our privilege. It's our privilege to be stewards of the mysteries of the gospel. That others too might come to know the truth and be saved thereby. Let's pray.